Amen. All right. While they receive the offering, you guys pull out your Bibles. Um, we are going to be in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 is where we're going to be. If you didn't bring your Bible this morning, you forgot it at home, or maybe you don't own a Bible, there's one actually underneath the seat you're sitting in. Uh, you can reach down uh, up underneath that seat and pull out that Bible. Romans 12. Um, I forget what page it's on, but it's like 650 something. Once you get it, somebody yell it out once you, once you find it. Um, in, in that Bible, uh, I have it memorized. Every page, every number, just kidding. Um, once, you, once you find it in that Bible, sh- shout it out. Romans 12, verse 1 is where we're going to spend the first chunk of time uh, this morning. And what we've been doing, anybody have that page number yet? 552. I was off by like 100. Um, 552, Romans 12 is where we're going to be this morning. And um, We've been in this series since Easter. On Easter, we unpacked this idea. Um, We said, what is Jesus doing now? What is he doing? So he dies on the cross 2,000 years ago. He raises from the grave. He hangs out with over 500 people. He ascends into heaven. What is he doing now? And we went and we looked at Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, which says, um, Jesus says, he says, I stand at the door and I knock. Whoever hears my voice and answers, I come into him and dine with him and he with me. Um, and, and what we looked at was this, this idea that Jesus right now in this hour, in this moment, in this season, is standing at the door of our lives, the door of our souls, knocking. He says, I want to come in. I want to sit and I want to have a relationship with you. I want to begin a relationship with you. I want to continue having a relationship with you. And the only, how that works is actually fascinating. Because in my house, in your house, in your life, in my life, the cupboards are bare. Jesus is knocking on the door. He wants to come in and sit down and have, this, and have a meal. He wants to dine. But there's no food in my fridge. There's, there's no goods in my cabinets. He's brought the provisions. He has brought this never-ending abundance of deliciousness. He says, let's feast on my love. Let's eat my grace and my mercy. And there's no end to it. Let's drink deep of my love. Let's let's have this lifelong relationship together. Let's begin it now. I've brought the goods. And then last week, we we wrestled with this idea, how how do we we keep our butt in that seat for the long haul? How, How do we do that? How do we make sure that we're sitting at that table in our heart and Jesus is the one who's brought all the goods and we are enjoying this relationship? And that was really the key, right? We talked about it last week is finding the fullness of our delight in him, finding the fullness of our joy in him. Jesus says, I want you to enjoy me forever. And that begins today. You can, you can enjoy the fullness of Christ Today and forevermore, I want you to enjoy me forever, he says. And and in my presence is the fullness of joy. It's right here with me. Let's walk together. Let's dine together. Find the fullness of your joy here. And when we learn that the fullness of joy is actually found there, not in all the places that we look, right? The places where we look are out in the distance, in the future. Once I get to this thing out there, then I will find joy. Then I'll find peace. Then I'll find rest. When I get to this level in my career... When I finish this level of education, when when I finally meet Mrs. Wright or Mr. Wright, when when my kids actually begin to obey, then I will find joy. It's always in the future. It's always in the distance. And then you actually get to that thing, and it kind of like sand through your fingers. It just slides through. And for a moment, it was happiness. For a moment, it was joy. But then it just kind of wore off. But that thing's going to be better. 
And we go from like one fix to the next fix to the next fix, when all the while Jesus says, the fullness of joy is here now. It's in me, and, it's, and it lasts for all eternity. It lasts forever. Come find the fullness of joy in me now. Let's sit at the table of your heart, and let's dine. I've brought the goods. This morning, we're going to look at this next idea that I think is super important. In, in, order, to, in order to dine on his goods, we must relinquish and give up the things that we think are our goods. Note the language. The things that we think are our goods. We, we must live fully surrendered lives before him. We must release our grip on the things that we cling to. And every single one of us in this room are, are clinging to different things. But if you want to enjoy the fullness of what he has, you got to give up the fullness of the things that you think you have. Um, D.L. Moody uh, was, a, was, a theolo- was a theologian, pastor, and evangelist um, in my hometown, Chicago. That's where I'm from. Um, and so, so he's, he was actually born in, in Massachusetts, but spent the majority of his adult life in Chicago. He was a shoe salesman, of all things. He sold shoes. Until one day, um, actually in Dublin, Ireland, in Dublin, Ireland, um, he met a guy um, by the name of Henry Varley. So D.L. Moody is sitting there with Henry Varley, and they had become friends. Henry Varley was, was an evangelist. He went around just telling people about Jesus. That's what he did for a living. And Henry Varley said something to D.L. Moody that day in Dublin, Ireland, that, that changed Moody's life forever. It changed the way he viewed the world. It changed the way that he um, viewed his future, his life. What Varley said was this. He said, D.L., the world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully surrendered to him. Actually, years later, the story goes on that um, D.L. meets up with Henry Varley and says, hey, do you remember what you said to me that day in Dublin? Do you remember what you said in that pub? And then Varley goes, no idea. And D.L. Moody says, you said the world has yet to see what God can do through a man who surrenders his life fully to him. And Barley's like, pretty sure I didn't say that. But he said something that day. And in whatever it was, it, it struck Moody. It changed the way he lived. And for the rest of his life, it was the mission of his life. It was the vision of his life. He said, by God's grace, I will be that man. And and Moody is recorded as again and again and again and again throughout his whole life, teaching this idea, telling this to to young pastors, to young students, to people in Chicago. He went all around saying, the world is yet to see what God will do if a man would fully surrender his life to him. And by God's grace, I will be that man. Deal Moody goes on to be one of the greatest evangelists of the 19th century. He did more justice in the city of Chicago than maybe anyone. His his historic church, Moody Church, is still there to this day and is packed to the gills every single Sunday. His school that has trained literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands of young pastors, Moody Bible Institute, is, is still there and still training young men and women. For ministry, the schools that he began to shape and mold, the, 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 the orphanages that he, that he founded, are, they're still there. They're, they're still doing good in the city. People still are following his legacy, all because he said, you know what? I'm not going to be about being a shoe salesman. I'm going to give it all to God, and we're going to see what he does with my life. The question this morning 
is actually how much of your life is surrendered? How much of your life is actually his? And how much are you actually clinging to? How much are you saying, I got this. I will control this. How much of it are you saying, no, this is all yours? Paul writes in Romans 12.1, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, I I, I urge you, I I beg you, I plead with you, based on everything I just said, I appeal to you, therefore, present your bodies, by the mercies of God, present your bodies. Now that he's drawing on an Old Testament idea, Um, in the Old Testament, this idea of of presenting your body, it's it's not flesh and blood, right? It's it's not your skin and bones, Um, it's, it's your life, the fullness of who you are, present everything you are, everything that you ever will be. Everything that you ever hope to achieve, everything that defines you, every ounce of your identity, present it as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This idea, again, of a living sacrifice, he's drawing on this Old Testament idea to his Jewish audience. For the Jews, all all throughout history, they would have offered sacrifices, um, dead sacrifices to God. The blood of bulls and goats and and lambs and and pigeons and doves. They would have have offered these things as 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 a symbolic gesture of holiness, saying, I understand that I am sinful, and I understand um, that, I, that what is due to me, the punishment that is due to me is death. Um, let's, let's place it onto an animal symbolically to cover my sin, all of it pointing to Jesus on the cross. And so Jesus comes along, and he bleeds out. He says, my blood covers. My blood is actually perfect. It's not the blood of bulls and goats. It's, it's me. It's my body that will be broken, not, not theirs. And so then Paul comes along and says, listen, Jesus has, has washed away our sin. He's made us white as wool, pure as snow. So now let us present our whole lives, the entirety of our lives, not as dead sacrifices like bulls and goats, but as living sacrifice. Let us give all that we are and all that we have as a living sacrifice. This is our spiritual worship, he says. How do we worship God? By saying to him, and to the world around us, and maybe most most importantly, to ourselves, that what you have for me is far better than whatever I could achieve or do. Your your glory, not mine. Your your will, not mine. And we lay those things before him, and we release our grip. This is a life of worship. To to, to truly worship God is to say that you are actually better at things than I am. You you can do a better job than I can do. And so my act of worship is to let go of those things and to let you do what you will with them, to trust him with them. Let's get real for just a second, though. Okay? There's a few different types of people in this room. Um... And just we're gonna we're gonna pick on ourselves. I'll throw myself underneath the bus first. By show of hands, how many of you are like me, where uh, you are kind of the the type A? 
I know how to get it done. I don't need the instructions. I will figure this thing out. Um, my way is actually probably better than your way. Um, just if you put, I want to drive the car, but if you put me in the back seat, I'm going to drive it anyway. Um, just let me put my hands on that thing, and I'm going to steer it whichever way I want to go. You give me a task, I'm going to get it done. I'm going to get it done right because my way is the, the right way. Anybody, anybody kind of like that? Anybody want to admit that? Yeah, I am. Okay. I'll admit it. I, I, I do that all the time. I'm, I'm an idiot. Um, how many of you are the opposite of that? You're, you're kind of like, yeah, no, laissez-faire, go with the flow, put me in the backseat, I don't even care. In fact, you probably shouldn't put me uh, in the driver's seat because I don't even care where we're going. I'll get us lost every single time because I'm talking the entire time and I don't even care. Um, where, where do you guys want to eat? I don't care. Wherever you guys want to eat. What do you guys want to do? I don't care. Whatever you guys want to do. Like, how many of you are, are kind of that? Just going to go with the flow, whatever you want to do. Yeah, the rest of you. Um, I would actually make the case that most of us in the room, even though I think we all just raised our hands between one of those two, uh, most of us in the room are somewhere in the middle when it comes to, to God, right? We, we understand. Um, I know not everybody in the room is, is a follower of Jesus. I, I understand that. Um, but for those of us who are, um, we're somewhere in the middle where, where we understand that God wants us to uh, release our grip and, and to give him our lives. And, and so we're willing to say, yeah, look at all this. This is, this is all yours. Like, I give you my life. Yeah, I give you my life. Okay. What, this too? You want these things too? You know, like we're holding things in our back pocket. And it's like, I know you can have it all. Just not, just not these. Like, these are my, actually... I'm pretty sure I can, I can accomplish this. I'm pretty sure that um, I'll handle this one better than, than he will handle it. Um, yeah, there's a chance that maybe what he has for my future, what he has for my plans, aren't as good as what I have in my back pocket. So you, you can have these things in my life, but these, these are, I'll, I'll just take, I'll take them on. I don't want to burden you with those things. I, don't wanna be, I know you're busy. you got like a million things going on. I'll take care of these. Don't worry about it, okay? The world is yet to see, D.L., what God would do with a man fully surrendered to him, a woman fully surrendered to him, where we lay everything on the table and we push it across to Jesus and we say, you take these things. What would he do? In Ephesians 3, Paul says he's able to do far more than we could ever ask or imagine. What would he do with those things? What holds us back? What keeps those things in our pocket? What keeps those things uh, tight within our grasp, so, so hard to let go? For, for you, maybe it's a, a dream or a plan, a, a vision of the future. Maybe, maybe it's your kids. Some of us want to steer our kids. We want, to, we want them to, to do and accomplish the things that we want them to do and accomplish. For some of them, it's, it's, even, it's even good things in our life that we're just squeezing the life out of because we have to be the one in control of it. What I find fascinating about this text in, in Romans 12.1 is the first words. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. I, I appeal to you, therefore, given everything that I just said, everything I just talked about, listen to me, now present your lives. At, 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 this is your spiritual worship. Present your lives holy and, and acceptable before him. All right, therefore. Given everything that I just taught you, everything I just talked about, now let's walk down this road together. Well, what did he say before that? You see, all of chapter 11 is super important if you're going to understand any of chapter 12, especially the first few verses. 
All of chapter 11, Paul's talking about how unbelievable it is that Christ would take all of our punishment, all of our brokenness, and he place it on himself and give us all of his grace and all of our riches and all of his mercy, that he would extend that to us, that he would extend his righteousness to us and take, and take our unrighteousness. In the end of chapter 11, the last few verses before he launches into chapter 12, are some of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. And it sets up 12.1. Here's what he does. He's talking about the gospel and how amazing it is. And then he bursts into this song of worship and praise. And he says this at the end of chapter 11. If you got your Bibles, just flip back. Chapter 11, the very end, verse 33 through 36. Oh, the depths of the riches in wisdom, in knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has given him a gift that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. I appeal to you, therefore, Brothers, by the mercies of God, present your lives, present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. This is your spiritual worship. You see, the way we view Jesus completely, totally, ultimately affects the way we cling to the things of this world. Every ounce of our clinging is linked to the idea that in some way, shape, or form, I am better than he is. But you're not, and neither am I. Let's, let's walk through it together. The first thing we see in verse 33, oh, the depths of his riches. Oh the, oh, the depth of what he owns. Oh, the depth of what he has, right? This is the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. This is the God who has shaped and molded and, and breathed out creation. Everything that exists in all things, he, he puts his finger on and says, that's mine. What about my kid? Yeah, that's mine too. What about my marriage? Yeah, that's mine too. Well, what about my job? Yeah, that's mine too. What about the sun and the moon and the stars? And the planets? Yep, they're, it's, every, it's all mine. And somehow, some of us, we fooled ourselves. I don't know what your thing is, what the thing is in your life that you've kind of begun to cling to. In fact, there's an easy way to find out. What is the thing in life that you're stressing out about most? Where is your, the bulk of your anxiety and stress and worry? It's in your back pocket. Whatever that thing is. And for some of us, it is in our possessions, our wealth, our riches, or at least the hope of riches and wealth and, and possessions. And we actually believe that in some way we're going to obtain something better than what he has. Oh, the depth of his riches. You're going to find something that he doesn't already have? You're going to figure out a way to acquire something that he can't just give you? You, you think that you can do that? There's no way. It's his. It belongs to him. Oh, the depth of his riches. Next piece, it says, um, in, in, at, the, at the end of that verse, it says, how unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways. You, you can't understand um, his judgments when every time he judges something and he makes a decision about something, it's right. 
His ways are inscrutable. You can't scrutinize perfection. You can't, you can't say, no one has ever said to God, you know what, I think that would have been better if you had done it this way instead of that way. You, you don't do that with him. Everything he does, every plan he has, every path he has, every, everything that he's ever controlled in an instant moment, it's been perfect in every way. No one has ever been able to scrutinize it. And yet we believe, some of us, for, for some of us, for a lot of us, maybe it's our plans. We have hopes and dreams in our back pockets, and we're clinging them. This is, you can have it all, but this one I actually think is better than, the, than yours. My, my way is actually going to be better than your way. His ways are ins- inscrutable. You can't scrutinize it. They're perfect. Whatever he's going to do with those plans is perfect. Now, it might not be exactly what you want it to be, but I assure you, it's good, it's right, it's perfect. And what you're going to do, friend, what you're going to do is you're going to end up jacking it all up anyways. If I put my expectations my hopes of marriage and the way that I think it should be on my spouse, on Desiree, okay? On your spouse, on your husband, on your wife. You place all of your expectations on them and this is how it should be and this is why you got married and this is what they're gonna do right and how they're gonna do everything right and so everything's gonna be perfect. I promise you, you will crush them underneath the weight of your silly expectations, But if you place them on Jesus and you say, Jesus, with my marriage, I will glorify you. With my marriage, I will, I will wage war to bless you with my marriage. I will do everything in my power to, to bless you with that. To live my marriage for you. You be the one who guides my spouse and you be the one who guides me. I promise you this. He's not going to jack it up. He's going to bless it. And he's going to protect it. He's going to watch over it. Maybe for you, it's your kids, your family, right? And you just love your kids. I got a little boy, his name's Winston, and I love Winston. But if I'm like helicopter dad, I'm just like, I'm going to protect you no matter what happens, wherever you go. Like, I'm going to be there. I'm not going to let anything happen to you for as long as you live. You, you will be, you'll be healthy. You'll be safe under my care, right? Someday, some girl's going to come, and she's going to want to date you. I've got like an exam for her, all right? We're going to sit down. She's going to take my test, and, 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 and if, she can, if, she can get, if she can ace it, then I'll, then maybe, maybe I'll let you guys kind of hang out, supervised by me, of course, um, right? If, if I do that, listen, friends, I'm going to crush that little boy. I'm going I'm to crush him. The weight of my expectations on his life. You're going to do this thing. You're going to be this person. You're going to go here, and you're going to do that, and you're going to succeed at this thing, and you're going to care about these things. You're not going to care about those. I will crush that kid. I already admitted earlier, I'm the type A guy. My way is better. He won't be able to stand up underneath that. And you think he's not going to rebel a little bit? Like a lot of bit? Man, the tighter I hold, the more he's going to push away. But if I say, Jesus, you are actually the one who holds the power over his beating heart. If he's healthy, You've made him healthy. If, he, if he's sick, man, you are in control of that. You give and you take away. He is yours. He is not mine. His future is yours. It is not mine. Your will be done, not mine. 
I, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's your career. Maybe, maybe it's your um, Maybe it's uh, kind of your plans for retirement. There's something in the future um, that you, you, just, you just need it to go your way. Because somehow, in some way, shape, or form, your way is better than his way. It's not. Verse 34. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? And, and this is kind of plays into what we just talked about. Um, who has ever sat down with God and said, hey, let me, let me help you. Let me, let me help you out, right? No, no, no one, right? And so to think that in some way should reform that, that my way is better. Some of us in the room this morning just need to surrender that. We need to say, listen, I don't know where you're taking my life. I don't know where you're taking my plans. I don't know where you're taking my stuff. I don't know where you're taking my dreams. I don't know where you're taking my marriage. I don't know where you're taking my family. I, I, I don't know. I don't know your mind. And I'm not going to counsel you. I'm not going to tell you which way you should do it. Because I don't know better. It's, it's yours. Who has known the mind of the Lord, who has been his counselor, Verse 35, or who has given him a gift that he might be repaid? Some of us in the room this morning need to surrender this idea that our life is actually the gift. That we sit down at the table and he brings all these goods, grace, mercy, love, affection, hope, mercy, all this stuff. He brings to the table and he's like, look, let's feast. And you're like, yeah, look what I got. Look at my life. It's yours. Isn't that awesome? He's like, oh, yeah. I don't want that thing. Your life's not that great. You see, the, the way it works is he brings all the goods, he lays them on a the table, and you, you pull out your, your life and your hopes and your dreams and these things that you, you thought you could control, but you've jacked them all up, and you lay them on the table, and he, he scoops them up. He says, I'll bring beauty out of these ashes. I, I'm, the, I'm the founder and I'm also the perfecter of your faith. I'll breathe some life back into some of these things. Some of these things probably shouldn't be here. We're going to get rid of those. That's going to be painful for you, but we're going to get rid of them because guess what? It's not what's best for you. I'm going to be all about your good. I'm going to be about the good of those who, who love me. I, I began a good work in you, and I'm going to bring it to completion. And some of this is going to be painful for you. We're going to sift through your life, but I promise you, in the end, what I have for you is, is better than what you have for yourself. And the last piece in verse 36 says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. To, to him be, be the glory forever. You will never be the hero of your story. Even if you are now, right now, it's all about you, and you, you've got this thing, and you're steering, and you're like, actually, Josh, I'm actually doing a pretty good job of steering this thing, and it's, it's working out for me. In the end, you will lose it. You see, the king of kings, there's only one of them, and it's not you, and it's not me. He, he wants to, to take your life and recreate and, and shape and mold this beautiful thing that the world, the world is yet to see, right? DL, the world is yet to see. 
what God could do with a life fully surrendered to him. He, he wants to take it, everything you surrender and reshape it and remold it and remake it. But in the end, he wants to draft and shape and write this beautiful story. But in the end, you will not be the center of that story. You will not be the hero of that story. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. He is the center of the story. He, he is the one who has conquered sin and death. He is the one who came to the, your door. You didn't go to his door. He is the one who brought the provisions. He is the one who takes your life and begins to sift through it and bring beauty from the ashes to straighten what you have bent, to make right what you've made wrong, to breathe righteousness into your unrighteousness. He will be the hero of your story. To him be the glory. And so maybe this morning the thing that you need to surrender is the glory that you've been hoarding and scraping and clawing after and saying, I, actually, this is my spiritual worship. Our spiritual worship to, to Jesus is when we say to ourselves, literally, this, this is an everyday thing, friends. Every day we, we say to him and to ourselves, and when we say it to ourselves, when we say it to him, we say it to the world around us, he is greater than I am. To him be the glory forever, amen. He is better at managing my life than I am. To him be the glory forever, amen. He is better at, at, he is better at managing all the riches of the world than I am. To him be the glory forever, amen. And honestly, at the end of the day, when you have a big, vast, gigantic view of Jesus and you actually understand how unbelievably powerful he is and how unbelievably good he is, this is an easy thing to do. It's easy. It's like, I'm an idiot if I don't open this up and give it to him. And so what's holding us here it's just a small view of him, a small view of the gospel. We, our drift always, my drift always, is to think that some way, shape, or form, I'm better than he is. I drift towards control, and we drift towards complacency. Friends, fight to have a gigantic view of Jesus at the end of D.L. Moody's life, um, actually at his funeral, at his funeral, R.A. Torrey, another famous evangelist who was one of Moody's very, very best friends, um, shows up at the funeral and actually spoke a few words, and, and he's quoted as saying this. R.A. Torrey said, The first thing that accounts for God's use of D.L. Moody so mightily was that he was a fully surrendered man. Every ounce of that 280-pound body of his belonged to God. Everything he was, everything he had, belonged wholly to God. D.L. Moody made his life all about giving himself away. And because of that, Jesus said, I'm going to take a shoe salesman and I'm going to make him into the greatest evangelist of the 19th century. And people, years later, literally hundreds of years later, will be talking about what I did in him. People, years later, a kid a kid 
will graduate from Moody Theological Seminary and show him bountiful Utah. Not because DL was awesome, but because he gave away his broken life. And Jesus moved through it. And he teaches us. He says, man, do the same. And let me, let me tell you, let me tell you, South Davis County, Utah, has yet to see what God will do through a church, through a group of people that fully surrender their lives to him. And they ain't seen it yet. But by God's grace, they will. And by God's grace, it'll happen through you all. But you have to have a bigger view of Jesus than you do. You have to believe that he's better than you are at managing your stuff. And so we live lives fully surrendered and we live lives fully dependent. How do we do that? How do we get from fully surrendered to fully dependent? It's next week. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we need you. We can talk all day long about how you're better than we are. But it's those things that we hold deep that we need you to identify. We need you to, to call us out. We need you to drag that out of us, to, to put it right in our face and say, you are clinging to this thing. You think you're better than me here. And we need to lay it on the table and, and push it over to your side and say, your will be done, not mine. And the stress and the worry and the anxiety lifts from our shoulders because we know the king of kings holds it in his hands now. Help us to see those things. Help us to loosen our grip. Help us to not reach and pick them back up. Let us simply put our hope and our faith and our trust in you. You are greater than I am. You're greater than flourishing grace greater than anybody in this room. In all ways, in all ways, in every way, shape, or form, you are better. Help me surrender my life to you. Help us live fully surrendered lives. Praise the things in your name. Amen.